ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome into WFUV Sports Baseball Podcast Nosebleeds, along with Dan Bartels and Sebastian Seabach. I'm Colin Lochran, thrilled to be with you. Would rather be here under better circumstances, gentlemen, both New York baseball teams floundering. First of all, though, Dan, how are you doing? Doing well, Colin. Yeah, floundering is a great word. Um, Yeah, definitely not the best season, not what we could have expected coming into the season, but we're at where we're at and we can't change it and we'll talk about it. Sebastian, certainly not where either club thought they would be at this time of the year. We'll get to both of them. We'll also talk about some of the surprise stories throughout baseball, or maybe not surprises, but just teams that have played really good brands of ball on the diamond. Yeah, I mean, so far you got, you know, the New York sports teams both in last place or close to last place. Yankees falling under 500 for the first time this late in the season since 1995. The Mets not doing so much better either. And then you also have a bunch of really good, surprising young teams that are doing really well, especially in the American League. You got teams like the Baltimore Orioles, the Texas Rangers, the Cincinnati Reds. So a bunch of young teams that are just making their mark in the lead and probably just changing baseball moving forward. Sebastian, I knew you were going to mention those Baltimore Orioles. Oh, yes. I have to give you your flowers here. You were ahead of the curve on that one. Bravo, my friend. It must be good to see them succeeding. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Colin. I was very high on the Baltimore Orioles since the start of last year. I mean, they have one of the top farm systems in the league. And, you know, this is finally the year. It's all come together. Now, is their pitching, is their starting rotation good enough to carry them in the playoffs? I don't know. We'll wait to see. But I was very excited about this team coming into the season. I'm not sure that many other analysts or expert analysts were. So, But it's it's definitely something that's great to see in which a bunch of young guys just flourishing on the major league field. I think a lot of people thought Baltimore would be good. I don't think anyone thought they would be that good, though. There was clearly a lot of talent there with Adley Rushman, Holiday coming up through the pike eventually. But I don't think anyone took the extra step to say this is the year. This very well could be the year for the Baltimore Orioles. It is most definitely not the New York Yankees year, though. Today, Thursday, August 17th, as of last night, the Yankees were officially swept by one of baseball's best teams, the Atlanta Braves. Now 12-23 and since July 4th, the New York Yankees are. On that July 4th, they were up 10 games over 500, six and a half games back now of the final wild card spot, as if that's even worth wasting my breath mentioning. Guys, look, they have the fifth worst on-base percentage in baseball. They're second, or 22nd, rather, in terms of starter ERA. I can't think of two stats that sum up the problem more, Dan. They haven't been hitting because they've dealt with injuries, because they've dealt with age. The personnel is just not there. And from a pitching perspective, entering the season, everyone said, this is going to be one of the best rotations in baseball. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, who fell off of a cliff. But at the time, it was thought, okay, he could maybe figure it out in 2023, along with those top two horses, 
not to mention you still have Domingo Herman. You don't quite know what Clark Schmidt's going to give you in and out. He's been very good this year. But because of the injuries, the rotation hasn't been very good. You're not going to plug and play with that. And even though they have a great bullpen, it doesn't make a difference because if you're not putting your bullpen in a position to ice your games, they're not going to be able to be very effective. If you, in other words, if you don't have a lead, it doesn't matter. Yeah, bro. Well, um, I, yeah, Colin. No, Sebastian, take it. No, I think you know, basically what you see with the Yankees right now is that they, the, the re- rotation has regressed to a point in which it's just dragged down the Yankees as a whole. And what have what has kept the Yankees up in the past the past couple of years in 2021 and 2022 respectively is that starting rotation especially when they struggled 2021 you look back at that yankees team they were a bottom 10 team in hitting but that starting rotation had one of the best eras in baseball and 2022 that really just carried on as well especially in the second half when the yankees were struggling but 2023 this is the year where just everything collapsed hitting bottom five as you mentioned, bottom five in OBP and starting rotation. Yankees of 5.99 ERA since the All-Star break. That's the second worst in the major leagues. So really, it's just collapsed. What was supposed to be one of the best rotations in baseball, injuries have decimated this team. You look at Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and all the other guys in the starting rotation, basically fill-ins. Uh, it's, it's really just been a disaster for the Yankees this season. Yeah, it absolutely has, gentlemen. And I think a lot of this can be put on the front office. I don't think that's anywhere out of the realm of possibility. The Yankees have been running back the same thing for the past three decades now. Cashman's been around for the tale as old as time, it seems, right? So a lot of fans are calling for him. Boone, I don't think we'll be here next year. Colin, I like to come on the record and say all these things. I said Donaldson won't be on the playoff roster. Where is he now? I don't think Boone's going to be the manager of the Yankees. I think his time is done. Cashman's going to be here. The Yankees won't get a re- get rid of him. So when you look towards long-term solutions, the Yankees are trying to work that out. They can't develop players in the in the term right now. We haven't seen a Yankees player get developed. I don't even know when the last one really was. Off the top of my head. It, thank, thank you. So basically my point is that they have that problem. The, the Mets across town, they spent all this money on developing their players. I don't know if it's going to work out. The Yankees need to do something. They have to get someone in there. They tried to do it with Sean Casey, a new, you know, player-friendly. The Yankees love player-friendly guys, right? It's so good with Boone. Sean Casey, same thing. It's not working. Something's not working. This team's too old. Stanton's contract's too big. You know, there's too many things that are holding back this team. And like you said, the expectation coming into the year was World Series. One of the best rotations in baseball. So it's tough. And I heard something today. They... They're talking about maybe, maybe getting rid of Cole and revamping that way and getting prospects and doing the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know? At that point, at that point, basically, what what good do prospects do at that point? At the end of the day, you know, you might be getting some top twenty, top ten prospects, but they're still considered prospects. You know, prospects don't always turn out. And where this Yankees team is at, they have enough prospects in the minor leagues to you know, give them a shot at this point in the season. I mean, they have, I think, six prospects in the top 100 of Baseball America's MLB uh, prospects, but none of them are in the top 50. But again, it's really just the Yankees not giving their prospects a shot. So uh, this this development of the farm system is just not good as well. It, it seems like basically they can't do anything right. 
Well, we mentioned prospects, and this seems like a perfect segue to the comments that Ben Ruda, former Yankees prospect, made recently. And basically what he said was the farm system is not taught anything in regards to strategy when it comes to hitting with runners on base, when it comes to approach, what you're looking for up there. It's more of just like skills and drills type of thing. If that doesn't scream that there's a gap in philosophy between where the game is going and where it's been, I don't know what does because as you've seen throughout this entire season, younger teams and quicker teams with great development are doing really well. Baltimore. I even look at the Dodgers who I've praised up and down for the last year and change. It's not that they're the most talented farm system. It's just they know how to groom their guys into becoming serviceable MLB players. If Ruda is going to go so far as to say that no one learns anything in the Yankees farm system, how can you expect even the most rawly talented guy to become a superstar? Even Aaron Judge has his own hitting coach. There needs to be a change in philosophy, if nothing else. And the problem with saying that without also saying that there needs to be a clearing of house of some sort, is that you can't have one without the other. You can't expect to still have a Boone or a Cashman there and then expect different results. Those guys are set in their ways. They know what they're looking for. It's time to get some new blood in the Bronx. Colin, absolutely. And to take you guys back through memory lane, 1965, that New York Yankees team, they won four pennants leading up to 1965. That year in 1965, they won 77 games. Colin, as I know you know, 1981, the World Series. Yankees-Dodgers. Next 12 years after that, the Yankees were not good, right, until the mid-90s. So maybe a clearing of the house is due, right? It could very well be. This is the New York Yankees. I say it all the time. This is the best franchise in sports. You don't need a dictionary to tell you that. But you're not living up to the hype. And you thought this year. A lot of Yankee fans going into the year. Astros are down. You know, in at the time, Justin Verlander wasn't there, right? So they, you know, they aren't the same team. This is our year to maybe, you know, beat them in the ALCS. It's not happening. You know, I, the Astros haven't gotten much better. They're still the same Astros. But this was the year for the Yankees to do it. And they didn't. So they're going to bet again next year and see what happens. I, I don't know. They're going to roll the dice and play with Donaldson again, see what's good with that, and run out of left fielder, different left fielder every night. I don't know. Right? These are questions that have to be addressed in the offseason. The Yankees will address them. I'm not worried, but right now you have to be if you're a Yankees fan. See, I, I disagree with that. I'm 100% worried about this Yankees roster because they're only getting older. You have a bunch of old players left on their contracts. You have DJ LeMayhew, who still has three years left on his contract after this. Stanton has four years left on his contract. Rizzo has a year left on his contract. You don't have a left fielder. You don't have a center fielder. And Garrett Cole... I think six years left on this contract are judge eight years left on this contract. So you have these guys on this team where they have contracts and there's room for a lot, really big contracts and there's room for a lot of regression. And then you also have a bunch of holes that you don't know how to plug in. And this season, well, you didn't know how to plug in the left field hole. You bet on the third baseman that you thought was going to bounce back and you lost. So Basically, there's every reason to be concerned about this team moving forward. They're not going to get younger. They're only going to get older as of right now if they continue to follow the philosophy that they're doing. And this is probably one of the worst Yankees teams 
we've seen since 1992 that losing the first that the last time the Yankees had a losing record and you probably have to look it up in the dictionary to see how good this team is or how bad this team is if they trot out Josh Donaldson next year to be the opening day third baseman that's when parking should be free in my well, opinion that that's when his contract <laughs> his contract after this year Watch them try and figure it out to bring him back because they could get him. They could get him on a discount at that point too. Who's going to want him too? This is, I but mean, this, is, but like... this is the thinking. This is where the front office has failed the fans in some respects because when you're the New York Yankees and you say it's championship or bust every year as they have, you have a responsibility to put the best product on the field. But with someone like a Josh Donaldson, it was clear he was past the expiration date when they said, "All right, we're going to give this." A shot. They didn't know it was going to be that bad. I don't think. I mean, I think even the most pessimistic person would have said he would have been a little bit better than what he has been in pinch drives. But I could fully see them be like, ah, you know, we need a third baseman. This is a stopgap for one of our prospects to eventually come up and play the position. My problem with that train of thought, and this is the last thing I want to get to in terms of the Yankees here, is that we saw the flash in the pan last year in that they were really good in the beginning, then they struggled, and then they got a shot in the arm from these young kids at a certain point, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswald Peraza, people of that sort. They haven't been given the same leash this year because it's almost as if everyone else in baseball has figured out the Yankees' prospects. In other words, they know what Peraza is, they know what Cabrera is, and the Yankees do too. I think that's the reason why you haven't seen Estevan Florio. I've been saying that for the longest time because they must know what they have in him and they must know it's not amazing. I'm worried that it's the same deal with someone like a beater. And that's why he hasn't been brought up. It was floated out there by Matt Blake the other day that, oh, maybe beater could be in the equation to start some games for us down the stretch. At a certain point, you have to see what it is you have or be willing to make the trade with those prospects for guys that are ready made to play in the big league, Sebastian? Well, I think basically what you see it is you have to give these prospects a full shot at starting. And with Peraza, I don't think exactly they've given him a fully fair opportunity yet. He had some games last year, had some games this year, never got a full opportunity to start. Cabrera is a different story, however. He got he won the starting job out of spring training, got the whole season to start, struggled, got sent down to AAA, came back, struggled again, got sent down to AAA. I think his time is done with the Yankees. But I think if you look at it overall, Estevan Florial, yeah, he's basically raked in AAA, but he's also had some things in AAA that would concern him, concern him at the major league level, and that's his strikeout rate. Now, his strikeout rate will probably not last him a long time in the big leagues, and pitchers will eventually figure him out basically like guys like him will like not very who are not extremely disciplined at the plate and strike out a lot are players that are managers worry about them and Esteban Floreal is one of those guys and he's a great defender he's a great athlete he can hit for power he hasn't shown that he could hit in the major leagues he's, he's a, basically a 4A player but the strikeouts and the lack of play discipline are definitely very concerning. Yankees beginning a three-game weekend set against the Boston Red Sox on Friday. They've had 30 straight winning seasons. That mark is in jeopardy, my friends. The story 
Still not peachy over in Queens in the post-fire sale era, Dan. And now I have to call it a fire sale, by the way. Was very hesitant to call it that. Now it is. When you get rid of both of the aces, and then you got the New York Post coming out with a story about how Justin Verlander was a diva and Max Scherzer and him butted heads, even if it was just a little bit. Yeah, now, now it's a fire sale. I can go there. The Mets 55 and 66 on the year record is nothing to write home about. They're just trying to get to the finish line. And Dan, I have so many questions about this team, but I want to give you first crack here. What do you think of what has gone on with those Mets? Well, Colin, I think a lot of it was last year winning 101 games. We saw what happened. Wild card. And Mets fans maybe for the first time, I think, ever, at least in my life, took a back seat and said, you know what? We might be okay this year. We don't have to worry. Every other year we've had to worry. Will Ponds, oh, we're going to sell everything. We don't know anything. It's just uh, years of torture. Like, you know what I'm saying? So when it comes back to the point of, okay, this year we have Buck, we have everyone back. The clubhouse seemed fine. We're getting reports that, you know, that might not be the case. I don't believe it, but whatever. Anyway, Lindor, I think... If you want to point a finger at specific people, Francisco Lindor will be the name that will come up, you know, seven to eight times out of ten because he's hitting 244. And, you know, when you got him from the Indians, you expected him to be a 270 hitter every year. He's a 2020 guy. He just got got that this past week. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. For what it's worth, that is absolutely what you pay. You don't pay $314 million, but... He is probably the best shortstop in the National League. I'd go so far as to say probably in all of baseball. Now, the production wasn't there. You saw it a little bit this year from him. Pete Alonso's been fine. I could go down the list, but I really do think it might stem back to Lindor. Maybe not, you know, from his playing. Obviously, his playing has been bad. But maybe some inner things. We saw with McNeil how he you know, promised that... You're telling you're telling me a guy who was a 5.4 war is one of your top players and he's been playing bad. Now, I know he got off to a terrible start this season and hitting like the 210s. But Lindor last year at this point, he was basically hitting for the same average as he is right now in the 240s. He finished up with 270. How can and his productions there, his home runs are there, his RBIs are there. He's hitting well runners in scoring position. How could you possibly put the blame on it? By McNeil Carr. No one's talking. I, I was gonna say. Forget the numbers for a minute, Smashy. Dan, don't tell me you're leaning into the car thing. No. no. What are you going to tell me next? That Alonzo's a cancer? You're buying into that line of garbage? No. Come on. Alonzo, maybe Lindor a little bit, but that's just... Oh, God. oh my See, goodness. I think the team was bad because they're on the older side, and yeah. then the youngsters that they expected to give them that same shot of the arm that the Yankees got once or twice last season... Didn't really do it. And I think you're seeing it now with Beatty being sent down to AAA. Vientos hitting 195 before he was put on the IL. I'm not sure the youth that they had prior to the big sale, obviously. Those guys, the jury is still very much out. But the initial youth movement outside of Alvarez was not greatly successful. They could still turn it around. But as far as 2023 is concerned, I do think that that played a part. And it did not help overcome 
some of the uh, aspects of the veteran lineup and rotation that needed help. Plus, plus, how do you how do you expect to succeed when you have Verlander and Scherzer pitching to near four ERAs? You're 40, 40 and forty three million dollar guys. The way they pitched before they got traded, and then you have guys taking up roster spots like Danny Burgers and Starling Marte and. DJ Stewart, actually, no, he just joined the roster. But you name it, they're 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 basically a waste of roster spots. How how do you expect to put the blame on Lindor when you could just easily be picking out names from a hat? Daniel Vogelback's definitely someone I put blame on. But I mean, yes, it was a cheap contract, and yes, coming into the year it looked like a steal, right? But for what you gave up, and for what we, and Colin Holdeman would have been great in this bullpen. Okay. To be Water, frank, Water, Water, yeah. Eskimo. Blame Escobar, too. Escobar? Well, yeah, I mean, blame Escobar. I think he was a guy who brought the clubhouse together, and then you see, okay, who's, you but know, and pro- now. His production. Did, yeah, you know, but yes, he was, yeah. I mean, playoff at, or September, Eduardo Escobar, okay, sign me up. But what we saw this year, I mean, it was tough. There was moments where he couldn't hit the baseball. He gave you the glove every day, sure, but. You know, and I don't even know if Brett Beatty is going to be the future of the Mets third base. Let's be honest. It could be Mark Vientos. It could horrible. be, you know, be, uh, yeah, you know. But, he looks horrible. Right. Yeah. Well, he's raking in AAA now, but I mean, go figure, right? I mean, pitching sucks <laughs> down there, but. Sebastian's he's a, he's a, not holding back any punches. Tell me how you really feel, Sebastian. Just went right <laughs> forward. He's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, Beatty is the definition of what I said about Florial. He's an A A A, and then you add the additional A player to the league that doesn't exist. It's the league that exists between the Triple A level and the Major League level, and you see that <laughs> out of the. You see it with the player that the Mets just traded, Jared Kelnick. I know Kelnick's mm. probably having a better year than he was the past two years when he first came up to the leagues, in which he was awful. But then he re- completely regressed to a league average player, and you're going to see that with. A lot of players in the major leagues. They're A, 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 A players. And let me think. I'm trying to think of the last Mets prospect that actually turned out recently. Like, let's go back within the last 10 years. That actually turned out to be a phenomenal player besides Pete Alonso. The last, last position player, Brandon Nimmo. Okay. But recently, who is, like, Alvarez. since... Alvarez. I guess if you want to Alvarez, count Alvarez, yeah. Alvarez. Alvarez has around, I'd say, I think a 300 OBP. So I love some, Alvarez, man. For what it's yeah. worth, the Mets had some prospects, prospects, excuse me, pan out. It's not like yeah. they haven't had any success in that department. 2015, if anything, proves that to me. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats. Yeah, they didn't have great careers, but for a period in time, they were very successful at the major league level. So this is an interesting conversation. Because it really depends on how you view success in terms of development, right? Are you yes. looking on longevity or are you looking for guys that can help you win a World Series? If the Mets win in 2015, history remembers someone like a Matt Harvey or a Jacob deGrom in a much different light. So I think that that's that, worth mentioning here. CC Sabathia yeah. won his first World Series the year after the Yankees got him, and he became a Yankee legend forever. So that proves the point even more, Colin. You win in this town, you are the creme well, of the creme. Well, Jacob DeGrom is already a legend in City Field, and he hasn't won anything. So he he wasn't even remembered for any of his specific pitching performances in the playoffs. Well, some of those Cy Youngs, Sebastian, are pretty important, I think. That, that's just yeah. my take. 
Yeah, yeah, he does have two Cy Youngs, but so does R.A. Dickey. Well, not with a knuckleball, though. Yeah. See, DeGrom, DeGrom couldn't do it with the finesse pitch. He had to do it the old-fashioned way. But, guys, <laughs> he was I'm... trying the knuckleball for like a week, and then he gave it up. You know what? That might have saved his arm. Yes. Or well, his well, elbow. Well, or his... Did it, though, Colin? Did it, though? Look, he, look he, he, it. he needed something. Finally yeah. dodged a, they finally dodged a bullet. Yeah, thank God. Okay, listen. In terms of the Mets long-term, Farm system ranked 11th by MLB Pipeline, 4th by Baseball America. That 4th ranking, Dan, to me, is quite generous. I think 11th is probably where I would assess them at this point holistically because I look at a lot of the prospects that they got from Houston and from Texas, someone like Acuna, obviously, uh, Clifford as well. I think that they're a little bit position player happy at this time. I don't know where the pitching development will be by them, which is also why I'm slightly concerned about next year in 2025, culture-wise. Because at least when you had Verlander and Scherzer, you knew that you had a chance to win two out of five days. Because even with the ERAs trending towards the four mark, that's still better than throwing out there someone like a Tyler McGill who hasn't hit his stride at this level yet. No, Colin, you're 100% right. I think Next year, going in, unless we get someone in the free agent market, you know, obviously the names like Urias and Snell, you know, guys like Flaherty, unfortunately, got picked up at the trade deadline by the Orioles. I would have loved him, obviously, but we'll see what happens this offseason. But in terms of the Mets prospects, yeah, pitching is not our strong suit. We like to pride ourselves in having strong pitching at the major league level. But for the past couple of years, it's been no secret that the Mets have not been able to develop pitching. And that's why we've had to spend money, more money than we really should be on two consummate Hall of Famers that ended up imploding. But anyway, yeah. So I think um, Luis Angel Acuna Jr. is uh, going to be really special. I think specifically what we got back for Scherzer, you needed someone, right? And someone who the Mets, I trust Billy Epler that he knows that he's going to be an everyday player. Some are saying as soon as next year. Who knows, right? So, you know, Alvarez, there was that little bit of period. Oh, he could call, get called up, but he didn't do so well. So wait another year and it'll be fine. I think Drew Gilbert, another one who I'm really excited about, um, as well as Parada, who is the Mets' uh, top catching prospect. So what do they do with Alvarez? That's always a question. Ronnie Mauricio, obviously, as always. And lastly, uh, I just want to highlight Mike Vassell. He is basically our top pitching prospect who is expected probably to see the majors before any of those other prospects do. So it's going to be interesting, Colin. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited. We've As Mets fans, we kind of have to be excited for the future now. Now, notice how you didn't mention Brett Beatty on the list. So, I mean, he's no longer a prospect as well. But I think, you know, yeah. we feel that's problems for the last couple of years. Where they have recently ranked in the bottom, with the exception of last year, where they kind of ranked in the middle, was their bullpen. Their bullpen has been absolutely atrocious for really the longevity of since they lost the world since they lost the World Series back in 2015. And that's where... The reason why they lost the World Series, too. Yep, exactly. The concept of finishing games comes in. The Mets with close, especially when Jairus Familia was the closer in his last couple of years, the Mets, and when Diaz first started, he had over 4.5 ERA and a ton of blown saves. And I, I think this is basically a concern with the Mets this year as well, them not being able to finish games. They don't have a solidified closer. They traded away Robinson, Ro- Robertson, who was their setup guy. Robertson would have been huge to have. Maybe we'll get him back, you know, on a one year or something, but. Gloom and doom in New York. 
It's been the story of the summer. The Mets currently in a series with the Cardinals playing now as we speak in St. Louis. With how much that these teams have disappointed everyone in the New York area, it might be healthy to look elsewhere at some clubs that have been really successful and highlight those stories. So I want to go around the horn here, so to speak. Sebastian, has there been a team that you look at and say, they're the one? They're the one they're going to bring home this year's title. You know, I, I haven't really basically because like I'm, I'm basically very high on the Baltimore Orioles, but I've talked so highly of them. I just don't think they're there yet. Then they don't have a pitching staff. The team that I think will continue to be there is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they're the one that's going to bring it home this year. And I'm not saying the Atlanta Braves because they're young. They're great. They have a stacked offense, but their starting pitching and their bullpen probably need a little bit of help help getting length into games. And that's where the Dodgers come in. The Dodgers have one of the top rotations in all of baseball. They they can hit whenever they you need them to. Uh, they already won a World Series recently. I know it was 2020, but still, the Dodgers have proven to be the most experienced and one of the most consistent teams in all of Major League Baseball the last, let's say, Think ten years. They have not missed a playoff. They have not missed a playoff since 2012. They have won the NL West ten the last nine out of ten years. So they're definitely one of the most consistent teams in the National League, and I believe yeah. they will. Yeah, uh, Tom. To answer your question. About the World Series, just on that, I think the Dodgers, great, great pick, Sebastian. They're on a, the middle of a ten-game win streak as we speak, so they're playing the Brewers tonight at ten ten. But I think the Braves obviously could be a team we can always throw in there. Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr., two of the best players in baseball right now, along with that pitching staff. I mean, Mets and Yankees both got a taste of it, what it's like to face the Braves, and it's not fun. So imagine facing them in the playoffs with the chop and, you know, all of that. So uh, specifically in that regard, you can't forget those two teams. I think on the AL side, you can't forget the Astros. Sebastian, you talk about consistency. Six straight ALCSs is something you can't scoff at. But in terms of a team that shocked me the most, because I know that was a question as well, I think the Padres. We saw last night, Tatis steals home in the seventh inning. They end up beating... The Orioles, as we said, a really good team, taking two out of three, winning that series. If you want to talk about a team that has an outsider's chance or the best story, we've written off the Padres all year long. Hey, but we've hey. we've all known they've been good. They're only four and a half out. Okay, so a... okay, okay. The Yankees are six and a half out too. So basically, the Yankees have basically almost as much of a chance as the Padres do. Yankees are cooked. The Padres have a worse record than the New York Yankees. They're playing the D-backs for three right when they need to. So, I don't know. You know, you got to call these things before they happen. I mean, they could get swept. But Padres are a team that, you you know, you can't ignore right now. D-backs have a better record than the Padres do. Think about that. Yeah, they're They're only one game above 500. The D-backs fell off to be Yeah, but they're they're coming back on the rise. You look at their last 10, I think they're 6-4. and Man, you guys went chalk. You went absolutely chalk with your picks. I got the Braves, I got I the Dodgers. It. We don't have anything a little bit. No Mets or Yankees. I'm hey, going to give you something or, a little bit or, out there. Orioles. 
Orioles. But that's becoming chalk. It's not in vogue anymore, Sebastian. When you had said it many, many months ago, I'm going to go a little bit out there with this pick. I'm going to say, and everyone knows that I've been on record having said that I think the Dodgers and the Braves are probably on a crash course for an NLCS or a playoff series of some capacity. I think the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be right Mm. there in that same conversation if for no other reason than this year they're up in the wild card race, which means that depending on how things shake out, they might have some sort of advantage at Citizens Bank Park, which is a huge deal. If you watched any of last year's games, that place was absolutely rocking. They went out and got Michael Lorenzen at the trade deadline. Man threw a no-hitter in his first home start at the bank. You look at their offense, above average in terms of both on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Harper, Schwarber, Reese Hoskins not there, could be back for a potential postseason push. I'm not sure if they would push him in that direction, but they got other guys that can do things here and there. Maybe not hit home runs, but some doubles, some singles, some cheap hits. You need those too. When it gets cold out, Bryson Stott, someone like an Alec Bohm, I look at that rotation and that lineup and the bullpen becomes less concerning. That's been a little bit of their bugaboo, has been the bullpen outside of Kimbrell and their defense. But as seen last year with the increase in strikeouts in baseball, and specifically with that rotation, it might not be that big of a deal. Nola, Wheeler, Lorenzen. So you know what that means? You could plug and play a little bit with a Taiwan Walker out of the pen. Ranger Suarez as well, who, by the way, gets lost in the shuffle when you think about those pitchers. So I don't know if Philly's going to win a World Series. They wouldn't be the chalk pick, but they should be in the conversation to make a run. They proved they could last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Philadelphia is one of the best sports complexes. I know that they have all of their major sports teams all right in the same area, so it's very, very cool. But specifically, what we saw last year from Philadelphia, that wild card run to the World Series, I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak in and go all the way again. That team on I mean, paper is is the best in the NL East, in my opinion. Better than the Braves, I, on paper. Like, it's you, just how it is. You look at a lot of those players on that team, and a lot of those players have improved from last year with the exception of yeah. Ola. But, you know, you look at Bryson Stott at shortstop, he's improved. Brandon Marsh has been really good this year. Uh, Alec Bohm, consistent again, hitting 280. His, hitting, his defense, you know, has been a little shaky, but – yeah, you know, him. He's been hitting. Bryce Harper still hitting three hundred. Castellanos has been really, really good this year with the bat, and I, I think this team is just as, as good as last year. So you can, I think that's a good pick by Colin. You could easily see them making a run. Let me throw this out there as our final little talking point for today, because we really can't keep beating the dead horse when it comes to the Mets and the Yankees. So we have to do this little ring around the league. Is there an easy out? Is there a team, in other words, that you want to see when October comes? For me, that team is now the Tampa Bay Rays. They started off incredibly hot. Everyone had said that they would be the team to beat in the American League around that April, May time when everyone thinks they have everything figured out. And then you lose McClanahan, who was in the Cy Young running. Wander Franco will probably not play baseball ever again. And if what he's accused of is true, he probably shouldn't play baseball ever again. So 
if I'm looking at Tampa Bay and they have this reputation for being a mathematical machine, Sebastian, I would love to play them because right now the machine is broken. They're sputtering. You don't have your Cy Young candidate. One of your better hitters is gone off what appears to be the face of the earth. No one's really heard from him since this all occurred. I would want to play them if I was a Houston, even if I was the Yankees and I snuck in. I think playing Tampa Bay might be the medicine at this point because they haven't proven in the last couple postseasons that they can overcome the hiccups in the road. It's like Billy Bean said, the postseason is a crapshoot. The Rays are great in the regular season. But when it comes to getting through the crapshoot, they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, I think, you know, it goes off based on their track record. I mean, 2019 and 2020 were certainly their best years uh, in the playoffs. 2021, not so much. They won 100 games that year, best record in the American League, and they got they 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 lost in four games to the Red Sox. So, and then 2022, they scored one run in a total of two games against the Guardians, who had probably one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball and were one of the young were the youngest team in the American League. So, I think you know Tampa Bay, their team is pretty good. And but with the way they started in the beginning of the season, their stats look better than they actually have been playing, especially recently since May. I think they're below 500 team as a whole. So because that's how good of a start they got to, and they're just like the Yankees of last year, you know. Except Baltimore has played well enough this year to surpass them. One team, you know, one team that I think you could easily write off that will sneak into the postseason because you have to. You keep forgetting that each team. From each division has to get in. One team I think you could easily write off is the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins are five games over 500, and they're going to be the number three seed. They're going to be the first wild card team to play whoever gets the last wild card spot. And I think they're a team that you could easily write off. They don't. They don't hit for a very high average. They have players that strike out a lot. You have a couple of disappointing players on that team: Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton. And, but they had they do have a pretty good pitching staff, but you just don't see them as a team that's going to get very far. So if you're the last wild card team that can sneak in there, I would be very excited to be playing the Twins. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point because it segues right into the team that I think would be the easy out, and that's whatever team gets that last place wild card in the NL. Because for the past right now, it's the Cubs; they're only four games above 500. But whoever you stick in there, the D-backs, the Marlins, the Reds. Like, I like the Reds. I've liked the Reds all year. But any of those teams, I think the Reds would be the toughest out opposed to the Cubs. But if I saw the Cubs in the first round, I wouldn't be upset. But also, I think big frustration that I have, especially over these past couple of weeks with the selling off that the Mets have done, is that the wild card hasn't really changed in the past about now month and a half. Like, those three, same three teams, same five teams all competing hasn't really been the Mets. They haven't been able to get above 500 to do it. But it stayed the same. Like it, nothing's really changed. So I think that the NL wild card, yes, it's up for grabs, but I don't see a team from the NL that isn't a top heavy league already going on to win the World Series this year. It'd be great. I'd love to see the Cubs go on a run, right? But as of now, that would be my team. The Cubs would be an interesting postseason squad, not because I think that they're any type of juggernaut. It's just with Chicago and the history and the baseball mumbo-jumbo that we all love to romanticize, myself included. 
I, I don't know, Dan. I, I would want to maybe not face the Cubs because they've won a title. 2016 definitely happened. There's no curse of the Billy Goat there. And the vibes, so to speak, in Chicago have been really high. Bellinger has found his footing. And sometimes now it comes down to who can hit the most home runs. And if Bellinger gets on a hot streak, you just – you never know. If I told you you're playing the D-backs first round, wild card game one, D-backs in Arizona, are you – are you're, you're hype, right? Like, you know? <laughs> I mean – You're hype. I, I think I'd rather face the Diamondbacks than the Cubs this year. The, the one exception to right, my Diamondbacks right. take okay. is Zach That's Gallen. Fair. I think Gallen yeah. has had a, a good year. It's just – if I had a pick, I'm probably rolling with the Cubs. Yeah. The, all those teams are not that good. That's why I've also mentioned the Padres earlier before, because they're the team that could sneak in. And But, fair, you know, fair. that's baseball. All righty. That has been this week's edition of Nosebleeds. Be sure to check out Nosebleeds wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to check out our WFUV Sports YouTube page. Once again, for Dan Bartels and Sebastian Seabach, I'm Colin Lachlan saying so long. Nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports.